Welcome back, or welcome to Grateful and Full of Greatness. I'm your host, Mark Lassini. On this podcast, I sit down with guests who, in my opinion, live their lives with the pursuit of greatness in mind. This platform allows me to discuss and to explain strategies that go into reaching peak performance. This is episode number 14. My guest, Tyler Warner. Tyler is a professional lacrosse player heading to Harvard Medical School later this year. And he's so much more than that. I first met Tyler when he was a freshman and I was a junior at Yale University. At that time, he was a focused, athletic, and determined teenager making the exact same transition in lacrosse I did from the offensive threat to a short stake defensive midfielder that the team and the coaching staff would count on to compete and to make an impact right away. Tyler met and exceeded the challenges and demands, which I am sure we will cover how during this podcast. Tyler graduated Yale with a degree in ecology and evolutionary biology, was selected a first team All-American in lacrosse, the number one short stick defensive midfielder in the country for the NCAA Division I lacrosse, and a member of Yale's national championship team in 2018. Since Yale, Ty has been a professional lacrosse player, winning a Premier Lacrosse League championship during its 2019 inaugural season, on top of doing orthopedic surgery research at the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York City. I'm proud to call Ty a great friend, and I'm excited for this discussion. Without any further ado, Ty, thanks for making the time to join me on here. Thanks for the... A hearty introduction. That was a lot. I, mean, I didn't even know I did all those things. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. You got it, man. So your next chapters include Premier Lacrosse League Championship Series, which is where we're recording this right now. Full-time yeah. move to Massachusetts, which you already started, uh, and Harvard Ma- Medical School. First and foremost, congratulations, man. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. But can you take us back to your earliest chapters and memories that sparked you as a student, athlete, lacrosse player, and the person you are today? Ooh, that's a... It's fairly broad, but um, wow, my earliest memory. So I think first, um, I think from a very young age, I think my parents, so my mom and dad, um, did a great job of just instilling, you know, the values of education in, in my brothers and I. I think like it was kind of fun growing up because whenever you got a good grade, you were able to get a gift of some sort. You know, you come home with some A's on your report card, you take it to Toys R Us and get a video game or you get a toy car so that like kind of instilled the value of you know if I do this it leads to this you know so um obviously as you get older you're not rewarded for every little grade you get but I think that having that you know that that mindset growing up that you know if you get good grades you do the things you're supposed to do that you'll be rewarded in some way shape or form um in the future I think that was something I'm definitely appreciative of my parents for um like I said, they, they, they drilled that home at a very early age. And so I think that that's a large part of my success today. Yeah, from a psychological aspect of things, I think uh, you can just see people that are directly motivated by avoiding some pain or the positive re- reinforcement they get from positive things. I still remember being a young kid and getting McDonald's when I had a good report card. So it's, it's something that was success breeds success. And I love that idea. But you were a multiple sport multiple sport athlete, just like me growing up. Uh, mm-hmm. What was your first love if it was not lacrosse? Yeah, for me, it was football. I loved playing football. That was like, I think probably the first sport I played. Started probably when I was around five or six years old. Growing up playing running back and just, you know, loving 
being hit by people, getting, you know, hitting other people. It was just like, I love the physicality of it. I love, you know, breaking ankles on the field as a little peewee uh, person out there running around. Um, obviously played basketball and baseball growing up as well. Played a little AAU ball um, until about ninth grade. Um, and baseball is fun too. Like I know a lot of lacrosse players don't like to talk about uh, baseball, but I still enjoy it today. Um, it was just that by the time I got to middle school, um, after getting the stick in my hands, I kind of just got pulled in that direction. So, um, but yeah, I still have love for baseball. I know a lot of people don't. I love that. And, and something I want to touch upon for younger athletes that might listen to this, you know, CNN put out an article that 70% uh, of, of young athletes quit uh, organized sports by 13 or 14 years old. And I just want you to go a little deeper into the things that you learned from the other sports. You talked about the physicality of football, but what other things come to mind that still help you out at the highest level as a pro athlete today? Yeah, for sure. So I think just sticking with football, I think there was no other season that I enjoyed more. It's like growing up, whether it was peewee, middle school, um, high school, I loved football season even more than my lacrosse season just because there was just something about the family atmosphere that was football. Um, I think just due to the nature of the game where you need like 11 guys all in sync at one time on every single play, you really just, um, you learn the value of teamwork, you learn the value of accountability more than anything. It's like you have to do your job in order to, um, you know, what, what is it saying? Like the sum of the parts great in the whole, like you have to do your job to make sure everybody else is um, squared away as well. So I think, Probably football is where I learned most of my sports lessons. Um, you know, basketball, obviously basketball, baseball, every other sport has that teamwork aspect. But I think football more than any sport kind of embodies that, you know, it's not just the individual, it's the team that leads Ooh. to success. Awesome, man. And, and, and stepping away from the athletic side of things, um, obviously very successful from an ac academic standpoint too. Uh, and you've worked uh, – excessively um, and then stuff outside as, as you talked about um, before this has even started um, tutoring and mentoring, um, especially with the Harlem lacrosse organization, uh, student athletes. Um, how has that experience been for you? And can you elaborate on your involvement and your, its importance to you? Yeah. So I think as just a black man, been at least fairly successful up to this point, you want to make sure that you're always doing what you can to go back into um, you know, black and brown communities to help out those people that may be less fortunate than you. Um, so after I graduated, and I even did both back when I was in school, but um, once I graduated, I partnered up with uh, Harlem Lacrosse and basically a few times after work, um, I'd have the chance to go down to a few schools in Harlem, um, get to meet with some of these kids and just, you know, get your hands on them a little bit and um, just, you know, just talk them through either their work, their work problems, or, you know, if they're going through something that they def they didn't necessarily want to talk about somebody else or in school, you can ask them about it. And, you know, they kind of open up to you once they, they see that you're consistent and showing up and then eventually they end up trusting you. So um, I think just building relationships with those kids is something that's always been fun for me. Um, I hope that they, you know, get as much out of it as I do. Um, but it's definitely something that I, I look forward to all the time, even though I have a long work day sometimes, but, you know, going and being with them for whatever it was, like two hours um, after after work was always, you know, just a, just a bright spot in the day. Um, those kids are, you, you kind of, at sometimes you feel bad for them because you know that they come from situations that probably aren't ideal and that most people, including myself, haven't even gone through. 
and you know that um, a lot of them are really bright individuals that just haven't been given the proper resources to maybe um, be as successful as they, as they would want to be. So if there's anything I could do to help, you know, those kids and help them, you know, get to where they want to be, I've always been, uh, always been more than happy to try to do my part. I love that. And I mean, uh, even at your age, man, it's, it's clear as day how much of a role model you are, how, how much uh, people uh, that are younger can look up and just aspire to role models. I think that's so important. Something that you talked about is the consistency in which you did it, right? Not just showing up and being, and being a face every now and then, but doing it on a consistent basis and staying along the same thread in regards to your life out, outside of the medical and lacrosse field for now. Uh, where and how do you, you, do you invest most of your time? Um, so, yeah, I mean, right now, obviously, we're doing the whole lacrosse thing. Um, but, you know, I think the next step for me is just going to be med school. And that'll definitely, you know, play a huge role in my life for the next four to five years and even beyond after that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, whether probably for the last two years, it's really just been doing my orthopedic research um, at HSS, um, volunteering and just working out and make sure I'm a squared away for um, the lacrosse season. So that's, the, you know, for keeping me busy. Um, but that's really been my focus probably the last two years out, out, outside of college. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just love, uh, just I've, I've had a chance to watch you grow um, alongside you as a friend, but it's been awesome to see uh, just how you're, you're chasing things down. Um, and, and it's almost like a checkpoint for you, not, a, not any massive goal that's just so overwhelming. And I think I see yeah. that a little bit too often where you kind of get hung up on one thing, but you're, you're embodying how you can chase multiple things at once and, and pour yourself into different things. I know you spoke about earlier how your parents were really great and positively reinforcing you to, to want to be successful, to work through hard things. But uh, who, who else were some big influences in, in your work ethic, your competitive fire and your desire to succeed, whether that be in school or athletics or otherwise? Yes, I think I was pretty lucky growing up with friends that um, also wanted to be extremely successful in life. You know, I think that obviously your parents are play a huge influence in your life, but I think more than anything, it's like the people that you have around you from a social standpoint, um, for sure, just uh, have a positive, had a positive influence on me. I mean, I know like a lot of our friends, my friends are just extremely competitive in everything that we did. So whether it was, you know, in athletics or in school or, uh, you know, like something like trivial, like trying to get girls, you know, whatever. Um, we always felt like we wanted to outdo one another in a way. And I think like that, and just like that positive competitiveness, um, I definitely think it's something that helped me kind of get to where I'm at today. So, I mean, obviously I give a ton of credit to my parents and like they 100% have been great, but I can't um, understate the impact that, you know, the people that I, you know, I just hang out with um, that wanted to be great as well. Um, like the people, the, the impact that they had in my life has also been tremendous. I love that. And I mean, it's all about that kind of competitive fire. Uh, I was speaking to Anson Dorrance and he said all the way through the college rank, you can win uh, with competitive fire alone. I think that's really critical. Uh, but if you were to give some middle school or high school kid some pieces of advice uh, to focus on, to, to really, uh, this is how you do both really, really well. What comes to mind if you, you were to give a younger version of yourself or, or kids that age um, some pieces mm -hmm. of advice? I think 
kind of just popping on what I just said, like surround yourself with people that also want to be successful. I think that a lot, like we are a product of our environment. I think that, that, that that's so true. And so like, I know for my friends, like being smart was cool. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, and it sounds, I don't know. I don't know if that's like what it is for everybody, but we always like, it wasn't like, it wasn't cool to not be doing your work. You know what I mean? And so, um, like I said, just like the positive influence of having those people around me is definitely something that I'm grateful that I had growing up. And I would certainly um, make sure kids, you know, seek out those people that want to drive you as well, because it, it's tough to, it's tough to hold yourself accountable sometimes. But if you're kind of not indebted to other people, but if you have other people that are willing to hold you accountable, and you feel like you have to do what you have to do, because you want to keep up with them as well. Um, I think that's definitely you know, something positive to, to get you moving in the right direction. One of my main mentors and, and, and going along with what you're saying in, in accountability, he always says that uh, school specifically, all, all the way through college even, is all about diligence, not necessarily intelligence, right? Of course, and I think that same, you could have that kind of uh, look on nature versus nurture, right? You can focus on talent and gifts and all that natural ability, or you can really be diligent. Uh, avoid distractions, hang out with the right people. The easiest way to enhance your life is to enhance your inner circle, right? I think that's very true, right? But going along accountability and, and making it personal to yourself, are there any parts of your performance uh, that you work hard to maintain or keep up uh, for uh, just to show that it's not all about uh, natural ability for you? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's a good question. Do you mean like in sports or do you mean in uh academics you mean and yeah like both. Just, both just in general both, yeah both or either yeah so i think for me um something that i've always had to work on was just having confidence um i think that that's something that for whatever reason i just struggled with growing up was just like for what i always felt like somebody was always smarter than me or even like in lacrosse or whatever sport i was playing for, for whatever reason sometimes i think i would hold myself back just because I just lack confidence. And that's something that even today I'm still like working on. And um, definitely like, it's still something that I, you know, I struggle with all the time. It's just like being confident in myself, knowing that I can do any, you know, do, do whatever I want to, whatever I seek out to do. It's just, sometimes I feel like I have like imposter syndrome where like, I don't, I just don't feel like I belong a lot of times. And so um, just reminding, trying to remind myself, like, you know, like, yo, you got this, like you can, you can do that. It has been something that, you know, it's helped me um, kind of overcome that just like lack of confidence that I think for whatever reason I just naturally have. Yeah, that's so great. I mean, what you're, what you're talking about is positive self-talk right there, that even you just saying that slight little thing. And I think it is so important, right? I, I'm the type of guy, uh, you know me, Ty, just very – uh, gregarious, enthusiastic, always pushing the envelope in terms of staying verbally positive, um, right. almost so idealistic to a fault. Um, I was just uh, embraced in, in uh, Tony Robbins. Uh, he had this like comeback challenge that he was doing during this pandemic for people that were listening. And one of the things he talked about was this triangle and inside the triangle was your state or how do you, how do you enhance your state when you're down? Right. So nothing's ever good or bad, but it, it, you really do have these highs or lows in life. So he talked about three different ways in which to enhance your state. And one was uh, your physiology and just getting wider right? If you get wider and you have a bigger pose, you maybe put up your fists and, and, and pump, pump your fists and smile, you can actually enhance your state. The second one was focus. Are you going to focus on the past 
or the future that you have no control over, or you're going to surrender the outcome and focus on what's in front of you, which is uh, that, that even that, that leads into the third thing, which is your language and meaning, right? So you have your physiology, you have your focus, and then the third one being language and meaning. And the fact that if you can say something positive, your, your unconscious mind is listening to you and it's always looking to work for you. Therefore, if you can replace that little negative talk in your head, those, those 60 to 80,000 thoughts, 60 to 80%, which are negative, if you can replace those with something like, I can do this, I mean, it makes a little difference a lot of the time, which stacks that momentum and allows you to go on to the next thing. So I love the fact that you brought up the fact that you even do it, even if it's not every single day, that can really make a slight turn, which can make the difference from a confidence standpoint. Um, And then going along even further, uh, now that you're such a high caliber athlete, there's like even more things that are important or that, that separate you from uh, your opponent, uh, recovery, nutrition, hydration. Is there anything that you really key in on um, as more important that you didn't really pay attention to when you were in high school? Hmm. That's a good one. I think the preparation, like just as far as like getting mentally prepared for um, a game, whether that's like watching film or kind of like you said, like self-talk and kind of seeing, you know, seeing plays, seeing yourself make plays before they happen. That's probably been like the main thing that I've I've noticed like a change in my, you know, from high school to college to now. Um, I think that I've finally kind of got a grasp on how to prepare. Um, I'm not great at recovery still. I still don't know what to do with that. Like, <laughs> as far as like icing, I, you'll never catch me in a ice bath. I'm not doing it, refuse to do it. Um, I don't know if Normatec works. I don't, I don't know about any of that stuff, but I think that like before going into a game, I know that I have um, a good idea of, you know, what I want to do out there, like how I want to dictate, um, you know, dictate to my opponent. I have a strong idea of what they're going to do. So I think um, like that mental preparation is something I never cared about. And in high school, was kind of just roll the balls out, go play. Um, so I think that's definitely something that I've worked on. I kind of learned how to do in college, you know, because I didn't know how to watch film or I didn't know what to look for when trying to guard somebody. But now I think, like, I finally have a good grasp on that. I think that's helped um, tremendously in my play. I was reading a book called Good to Go, and it was all about recovery. It was hundreds of pages. And by the end of it, the conclusion was that what works for you might not work for somebody else, right? And I think it was uh, demystifying. Is it okay to have a beer after a marathon type of thing? And there was a lot of uh, science behind it, of course, but there is stuff that works for, for one person that doesn't work for another. I mean, uh, the Premier Lacrosse League was uh, partnering with Whoop, and I, I've been using the Whoop just to see kind of the biofeedback and the data of how much yeah. sleep I'm getting, how much heart rate, my heart rate's going up. And I love that you talked about the, the mental preparation being one of the things. Obviously, you know, I'm huge on that. And, and watching, mm-hmm. watching film, uh, the, the term is proprioception, where you actually can see yourself uh, making that play as if there's a camera behind your eyes. And I really like right. that type of idea because there's little adjustments and strategies like positive self-talk and like proprioception that can, when you get on the field, it doesn't feel like it's the first time, right? Jerry Rice right. says he never caught a pass that he didn't already see himself making. It'd be weird exactly. if he wasn't uh, one of the greatest of all time and has the most receptions and touchdowns of all time. Um, sure going forward and we won't stay negative for too long, I promise. But, mm-hmm. but when you reflect and maybe some of the harder times or the lows along your journey, 
uh, that were certainly difficult at the time, but helped you grow into who you are today. What are those particular events or experiences? Ooh. So I think probably my hardest years, and believe it or not, were probably in college. Like I did not like college at all. So a lot of people say it's supposed to be the best four years of your life. <laughs> it was not for me at, at all. Um, I think we might have we might have touched on this before, like you know, just talking. Um, but I think that uh, obviously being at Yale and being on our lacrosse team, being the only black player on our team, that was definitely something that um, was for sure tough for me at the time. Um, I think coming in as a freshman, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, coming into Yale, you know, you have your preconceptions of what that's going to look like. Um, you know, I thought it was, you know, like a preppy white school. And then I'm on the lacrosse team, only brother on the team. And I'm just like, okay, so this is probably preppy white times 100. And so I remember coming in and it was really goofy. I remember I bought like khaki shorts and boat shoes and all this stuff just so like I could fit in. And I think that when I was trying my best to fit in and, you know, just blend in with what all the other guys were doing, I felt like I was like suppressing myself in a way. And so mm. I remember my freshman year, like my freshman fall, I remember going home and I was like, and I, I didn't know what, I didn't know what to do. It was just, I felt like there was a ton of pressure on me for whatever reason. I felt like, um, I think just naturally when you're old, when you're the only like black person on a team, you just feel like eyes are on you at all times. So like, even if they're not, you just feel like that's kind of what you're going through. And something I always tell people is that like, I'm never truly ever comfortable being the only black person in a room. Um, like I've learned to tolerate it in a way, but like that's something that I've never truly, even to this day, have ever been comfortable with. Like, like why wouldn't I want more black people on our team? Why would I want more black people to have the same experience at Yale? Um, like had the opportunity to be at a great school like Yale and be coached by, you know, the best coach in the country. Like that's something that I always want. I would always want like more people um, from my background and experience. So yeah, that was, always, that was definitely something that I struggled with. So I remember going home and I was like, I don't know if I want to go back. Like I, I, I told my dad, I was like, he saw it in my face too. Like when he was driving me back to school, he was just like, yo, are you, are you okay? And I'm like, nah, honestly, I'm not. Like I don't want to go back to school just because, I thought that it would just be like too much for me to handle. And like, I was just like always like sad. And I don't know, like the press might be too strong, but I felt and that's probably what I was feeling. It was just like, I, I don't know, like how I'm gonna, you know, get through these four years. And so I remember talking to my dad about it and he was just like, all right, like if you want to transfer, you can transfer. Like, I'm not gonna, like, I know it's Yale and it's a great school, but we're not gonna sacrifice like your mental well-being so you could be out of school but then I think the more we talked about it I was just like well if I still want to play lacrosse right and this what the numbers are like I'm still probably like if I go to another school and I still play lacrosse I'm still probably going to only be the black the only black person on the team and so like would my experience truly be different um at another school and like is it really worth leaving Yale to just kind of walk into the same you know type of environment but just at a lesser school. And so we decided that it would probably be best for me to, you know, stick out the experience. Things probably could get better um, as the years go on. And at the end of the day, you'll leave with a Yale degree. So I feel like by the time I was probably a senior, that was probably when I 
started to feel the most comfortable, not still completely comfortable, but like the most comfortable that I felt. Um, and I was able to, you know, I thought, I, I don't know, maybe because I knew it was coming to an end that maybe there was some relief knowing that I was going to be able to leave Yale. I don't know, it kind of, kind of sounds like it was all bad. It wasn't all bad. Obviously, I had fun nights, you know that, um, with the guys. But I do think that there was a part of it for me that I was just like, okay, like I survived this. I'm going to be able to leave this. So let me kind of enjoy this last spring, make the most of it because it's almost done. Mm. And so that's kind of like a long way of saying, like, um, I do think that those four years hopefully have prepared me to be, you know, in situations where, you know, I, maybe I won't be comfortable in the future as a doctor, you know, because in the medical profession, there's still a shortage of black doctors. So will, how will I be able to deal with that situation? Hopefully my experience at Yale, at Yale um, prepared me for that. And so I think I've been having, ever since I graduated, like I've had probably more fun than um, I've had in a long time, just getting kind of back to like the normal that I had before I went to school. Um, and, you know, I've been in a good headspace pretty much the last two years um, since then. I love that. And, and one, thank you for getting vulnerable and sharing that story. And uh, mm -hmm. like I said in the introduction, I, I knew you when I was a junior and you were a freshman and uh, the mental game is a lot about controlling what you can control. And there's not too much that you could have controlled besides your attitude uh, and you, you carried your, the way you carried yourself. I know you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So I was actually uh, looking at Shazir uh, as he's making his comeback from right. basically paralyzed to now walking and moving weight again. And, 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 uh, something that he is also a believer in is like stoic philosophy, which is not uh, get, getting too high or low with your emotions and your feelings, but kind of this, this term amor fati, which means not merely bear what's going on, but to love it. And that may not have been what was going on inside you, um, but you, you, the way you carried yourself right in such an authentic manner, uh, it was it was truly awesome to watch, right? Because you, you grew, and I still remember walking down Lake Place to, with you, uh, so excited that you were doing that transfer to, to, the, to a short-stick defensive midfielder. And I was like, just let's do this together. Uh, watch yourself grow into uh, an a All-American. I don't know if you remember that, that conversation, but it, it was had. And, you know, and I think what I'm trying to get to here is the fact that um, there, it's not necessarily what's going on around you or to you. It's what's going on inside you. And you, you carried yourself and the way you carried yourself was, was awesome. It's, even though that was going on inside you. So I have a lot of admiration for that. And, and the fact that, you know, and you're expecting, even if that's just the case, I'm going to still be, have that kind of stoic philosophy and I'm going to still control what I can control and do my very best regardless of circumstance or experience. So that's really great. Um, you mentioned some of the activities you do in your downtime, but are there any places you like to go when you're home to Long Island? Do you have any outlets that you do to reset, whether that's in Long Island or otherwise? Oof. Ah, eh, probably not. I mean, like this quarantine period has been pretty interesting. Just, uh, you know, like my friends from home, we just, I don't know if it's like an outlet, but like we kind of quarantine kind of made us, uh, I don't know the word for it, but like reverse back to our 12 year old selves. So like mm. we just started playing softball on the weekends. Probably shouldn't have been doing it. Cause I don't know how much social distancing, social distancing we were doing, but uh, like having nothing to do kind of just made us go back to like, when we were like 12 years old 
ripping and running around town was, you know, you can't do anything when you're 12. So like you're just outside all day playing sports. And it was interesting because, yeah, we just started playing softball every, every Sunday. We just went to, uh, you know, a park in our town and just got out there. We ended up, um, like ended up like befriending, like there was like a group of another group of guys that, um, just ended up, you know, being at the park and we were just like, Hey, you guys want to play? And then we ended up, you know, exchanging numbers and just like this or this cool relationship just developed between our group of friends and other group of friends. We just always show up on Sunday and just play softball in the park. So, I mean, I don't know if that really answers your question, but like, it's been, it's been cool kind of getting back to doing some stuff that we were doing as kids and you probably hadn't done it since like, I mean, we play like a Turkey bowl, um, every Thanksgiving, but the frequency of it of just playing like being outside all day we hadn't really done since we were kids so that was kind of nice to get back to during you know like obviously there's a whole bunch of like people struggling during this time but that was kind of our little outlet and you know during uh as we're still in the midst of this stuff yeah i think there's a lot of a lot more need for that right rather than uh be glued to the phone but to get outside and do that sort of thing that comes to mind is uh, there's a documentary called In Search for Great In Search of Greatness, uh, and I talked about I talked about this a lot. But uh, Wayne Gretzky's dad asked him, "Hey, do you want to go to the movies with your friends and stuff like that?" All he wanted to do was go in the backyard and play hockey, right? And if you can instill that kind of play mentality, uh, that love will come for it, right? And then and then you start to get more serious as you get older. Going back to our other point about multiple sports and then the specialization uh, coming later on. Um, it's really important to have that, that balance of serious and fun and go from playing like with, like you are uh, 12 year old, 12, uh, 12 years old again. Uh, but could you go into how much of your week is serious? How much of your week is planned out? How much of your week is scheduled, uh, whether it's behind your computer or doing work to prep for medical school or uh, whether it's training for lacrosse? Uh, what would you say that portion is? Ooh. That's tough. So, um, so I recently stopped working. I got the hospital I was at probably a few weeks ago. So that's kind of opened up a lot of free time for me. Um, I think in like the last few weeks leading up to our championship series, um, I I don't know how much preparation I really put into planning out my days. I kind of just went along and did it as I went so I you know I tried to work out sometimes I work out in the morning sometimes in the afternoon and just kind of uh you know whatever I was feeling um the med school stuff like sometimes you have to be on and we had to do like a, a meeting and you know um there was like we've been building pretty good camaraderie with some of the people in the class just on our own which has been pretty cool to see because obviously we're not going to be um, on campus in the fall so we knew that we really wouldn't have a chance to you know, meet each other um, in person. So we've been, you know, organizing like little like game nights and we have like a movie night the other night. Um, so that's been, that's been pretty cool. But I can't, I don't really know if anything's been like super planned out. I've kind of been just rolling with the wind in a way. So Awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love how you're able to carry it off as Cool Common Collective yet be so successful. It's really awesome, man. And uh, <laughs> as a top level student and athlete over the years, uh, is there like a, a common myth or a piece of advice that you were told uh, that turned out to not be true based on your experience. The, the reason I'm asking you this is because I remember you having to come to workouts, come to practices after long nights in the lab or studying 
Um, are there any lessons that come to mind that you only learned through that experience of staying up late, whether it was with Ben Reeves or otherwise, um, that you really can't learn unless you're in the trenches? Is there something that that taught you is uh, that those late nights of studying all the way to uh, the early morning and then right to a workout that we have two or three uh, in the day ahead? Yeah, that, that's a tough question. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think, did I debunk, did I debunk any myths? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't well, know. What, is that, what did um, that teach you about being so all in on uh, kind of one endeavor all the way to the early morning, knowing that you have that hard workout and then a practice later that afternoon, that next evening? Has to be. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that I didn't debunk any myths is probably a good thing. I think it's, it's good that I probably learned the right lessons um, growing up. But I think that going to college was a whole new animal of really trying to realize what hard work is. I don't think I really worked hard until I finally got to college just because not that everything came easy to me, but like actually like pulling all-nighters and having a lift with no sleep the next morning and, you know, still being on your P's and Q's at practice. That's something I really hadn't experienced before being in college, and, you know, deciding to be pre-med, which is not advisable if you want to play sports. I'm just kidding. But, um, no, I mean, like, that really taught me, like, what hard work was. I, I, I know for a fact I didn't really know what it was. I thought I knew what it was before coming to college, but I really didn't. Um, you know, there's nothing like, you know, I guess the pulling all night or doing a lab with reads, you know, and then getting a text from you're trying to text the straight coach to get out of a lift. And he's like, nah, get your ass in here at 6 a.m. And you didn't sleep and he's making you, you know, I, I remember one time that, I, got, I tried to get out of uh, doing this, like a squat rack. Or no, he wanted us to do sleds. This is, this is Coach Newman. And on no sleep. And I'm like, screw that. Like, I'm not trying to do prowlers. And <laughs> after getting no rest. So I remember walking over to the squat rack and like trying to just like do that instead of the prowler lift. And he's like, nah, like, you're not getting out of this. So, um, yeah, like that was that. I think the Yale experience for sure taught me what. Um, hard work was and so like my parents mentioned it all the time and then I finally finally really knew what that was um, during my four years of school. I love that and I, I just wanted to dive into that because I know it must have been difficult and you were you were fighting battles that other people didn't have to on our on our team right and I think it, it shows a lot about your character um, is there uh, besides the positive self-talk you you give yourself um, are there any resources mantras or quotes mottos sources of guidance or inspiration that you go back to to keep you going or, or take you to the next level like what keeps you motivated keep going too. um i don't know if there's any quotes i remember there was like a fun one that i think it was like p diddy said he's like it's like a video of him on the phone and he's just like saying like i'm a monster i'm a beast like there's no there's nothing that i can't do something like that and like I think he like just closed the deal or something. He's like slamming the phone and getting all excited because he like knows he's that guy. And so I remember kind of going into uh, my med school interviews and like that's always like a stressful time because you're, you know, interviews are stressful anyway. And then like now, you know, it's like this is deciding the rest of your life kind of moving forward. And so um, I remember going through that process and I think I was psyching myself out at first. Like I remember I was having my interviews all set up to go, but I would always like push them back to the later date because I didn't want to actually have to do it. So like I could have had them say like I got a notification that like, you can schedule an interview for 
August. I pushed it back to like November because like my first interview was in November because I was just so scared to do it. Um, but then eventually, somehow I just told myself like, listen, if they want to interview you, that means they want you. And so uh, even though I knew I was going up and like anybody knows like the med school interview process is it's extremely competitive. But I was just like, you know what, if I'm going in there, they want they want me here. So like I like for the first time in my life probably I like wasn't nervous walking into an interview. I like actually felt like confident just because I I think I probably watched that P Diddy P Diddy video P P Diddy video um a few times before and so I just felt like I was ready to go. I was like amped up and by the time I stepped in like those buildings and you're meeting with like these top notch physicians and like faculty that are just like leaders in their field. Um while that could be intimidating, I felt like like I belong there. So that was like a pretty cool um, experience for me. I love that. Uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Christina Versari, says uh, fear exists as long as you don't take action. You know, that's the first thing that comes to mind when you're pushing off those emails. And I just finished really reading a book called The Third Door. Uh, not, not, not necessarily how um, everybody waits in line for the first door at a nightclub. The second door is for the VIPs. And then these ultra successful people find the third door right they find their way into the nightclub somehow some way and, and one of the pieces of advice and i still remember it's on page 94 uh that's because i really jumped off the page to me is that uh nervousness goes away once you take immediate action right so it, that type of and it's crazy what we can convince ourselves right we can get right. so caught up in listening to our own narrative about something that doesn't exist i mean you talked about uh, psyching yourself up, but it, it, in the same way that it can be so negative and we can build up all this anxiety, right when we start taking actions to change our attitude, movements to change our moods, and then we, we take that immediate action, what ends up happening is fear fades away and, and, and nervousness is obsolete. So what a great story, because I think there's a lot that uh, you can like relate to when you're saying I'm a monster, I'm a beast, um, just like P. Diddy, whether you're going into a, a, a med uh, a med inter interview or, or, or on the field. So I absolutely love that. Um, you've been playing team sports since you were young and competitive lacrosse at the highest levels for many years. Uh, now you're about to begin medic medical school, knowing you as I do. And I'm sure Harvard Medical School will be quite a challenge. How do you think you'll feed that competitive fire if indeed you put down the lacrosse stick after this Premier Lacrosse League Championship Series? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I mean, I've already talked to like some of like the male faculty at the uh, and the female faculty too for that matter um at the school and like I was like yeah I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself you know I've always been an athlete my whole life so now like just hitting the books the entire time is gonna be interesting but they told me like they play like basketball all the time like the rec center and so I'll definitely be there a ton I'm just playing the pickup games and you know you know I can hoop so oh, of course <laughs> you know how that goes of course <laughs> um. And then I think I was talking to one of my one of my teammates, Joe Nardella. He said that they have like uh, some men's leagues out there for lacrosse, so I could like you know um, get down there once in a while and in the Boston area and just play. He said like you know it's good competition out there, so I'm yeah. sure I'll, I'll stay involved. I'll stay involved with that. You know I can't go up there and start getting shot or whatever. <laughs> so uh, this this question goes directly uh, with something that 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 you said before in the fact that. Um, kind of you're, you're caught up in being a multiple sport athlete 
And then now you're trying to figure out where this competitive fire is going to go. You're playing baseball as a, like just as if you're 12 years old uh, it, it, with your friends even to this day. Uh, do you feel like that will be enough, playing in those men's leagues or something like that? Or do you feel like you'll pick up another endeavor, kind of what it won't be athletics? Um, or do you think yeah. it's just going to be Harvard Medical School going forward? Yeah, that's a that's a tough question. I, I've always I've been joking around saying I might try to come back after four years out and like <laughs> do this summer residency. Um, yeah, because I don't know, like maybe if it's not sports, I'll try to find competition through like doing research or something, like trying to get publications and you know try to advance the field of medicine in some way. Just like you know, the, the same way like people are you know racing to find like a vaccine for COVID right now. Like, what can I do maybe? In, research that can you know be competitive i think that there's a ton of ways to be competitive so i don't necessarily just need to rely um on on sports i think that thankfully though like the nice part about going to harvard is that um even though we're talking about competitiveness like there's a great family atmosphere to learning medicine nowadays where like before it was like pretty like cut and dry and like everybody was kind of there for themselves like the way that the curriculum has changed like people are okay with asking their friends for help they're okay with like working together just because they've changed the uh the grading from you know like high honors honors all this stuff all these like five level levels of grades to just pass fail because i think it's just like a great thing just because you know if you're a lot of times we take tests and just to like get a grade and um, now, obviously, we're taking tests because we're, we're trying to make sure we're able to take care of people and do the right thing by, by patients. So right. I love that they kind of, even though it kind of sounds soft and like it's not, I love kind of that they're taking like the competitiveness out of it in a mm-hmm. way. Um, obviously, like we're all super self-driven and want to be great at what we do, but um, I think that it will be nice to be able to work with people towards the same goal of like we want to be great physicians because we want to treat patients we're not just here trying to rip each other's heads off and trying to get like some stupid uh like society honors just because like we want to like something on our resume you know what i'm saying so, yeah I, I kind of like that aspect of, of the, the new curriculum that most schools are kind of doing now I love it. I was I was I was listening to this uh, TED talk just the other day, and it was uh, why good leaders are 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 like uh, are like addicts, right? And I, I thought that was a pretty interesting title, so I clicked on it. Um, and and really, it comes down to three things, and one which you're touching upon with the pass fail. Uh, the first one is be rigorously authentic, rather than think about lying or anything like that. Uh, the second one is do uncomfortable work, which requires not only necessarily doing what you're great at, but certain searching for what you're weak at as well. And, and then tripling down on your strengths, right. And, and do that uncomfortable work work. Most of it is going to be probably going to be internal. And then the third thing is, is surrender the outcome, which has so much to do with the mental game, right. Being process oriented, character driven, make sure you're doing something that you can treat a patient later on in, in life rather than doing it for a grade. And Dr. Gilbert, one of my main mentor, he says that kids grow up as question marks and by the time they get to college and beyond their periods, right? And you ask a question to a kid and they rarely raise their hand unless they know it's going to be on the test. And that's, a, that's something that comes to mind all the time. The kids go, is this going to be on the test? Is this going to be on the test? And that's not what it's about, especially at the, at the level that you're going to. So 
I, I, I know what you're saying when you say I'm happy that the competitive fire competitive is going to be out there because we're all looking to help others. And we, when we help others, we help ourselves. Um, one question that I wanted to touch upon that you said you have that imposter syndrome, that confidence as you start checking these things off, right? Being a top, a top uh, short stick defensive midfielder, being a national championship, uh, winning the national championship, uh, playing in the Premier Lacrosse League championship, winning that too. As you check these things off, now Harvard Medical School, do you feel like the confidence is I- increasing now? Or is this something that you still struggle with even today? Yeah, no, the confidence thing is something I think I'm going to have to battle all the time. Because um, mm. now it's just like, it's just the next thing, you know? It's like, and now I'm pretty much back to square, what is it, square one? I think it's just like, I haven't done this med school thing before, you know, and there's just a whole bunch of extremely intelligent kids that are going to be at Harvard Medical School. And like, uh, I'm, I'm unsure if I really measure up, you know, quite frankly, like I there's still something that um, I think I'll always have to keep trying to build myself up from a confidence standpoint, just because there's always just a new challenge. And I don't think, like I said, until you've truly done something or already accomplished it, you, you don't, at least for, for me, I don't know like how well I'm going to do, you know, these next four years, hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll cruise through it, but that's probably not going to be the case, you know? And so, um, obviously, you know, I'm going to try to put in the work to make sure I get everything done, but it's not like I'm going into this with everything, you know, with everything figured out. I don't, I don't have the book on this yet. So, um, it's stuff, you know, I know that I belong, like, like I got in and they wouldn't have taken, like they wouldn't have accepted me, you know, if I didn't belong, but there's still, just you know, like, am I am I actually going to be able to keep up with these kids? Am I actually going to be able to learn? It's like the crazy amount of information that I'm going to need to know because there's just so much. They say like learning um, your first two years of medical school is like drinking from a fire hydrant. It's just like mm. so much information that you have to take in, yeah. and you know, like learning like how to actually remember all that. Like we we've taken tests, and after you take a test, you pretty much forget it. You know, you forget what you just learned right away. So. But I know I can't do that because now, you know, I'm trying to treat patients in the future. So that's going to be going to be interesting. You know, I'm excited for it, but I'm definitely, I definitely have some apprehension, um, yeah. some anxiety along, that comes along with it. So yeah, to answer your question, no, it's not like um, I've ever, you know, even though I've been accomplishing some good things, it's not like I'm like, oh, like I've got it all figured it out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing, right? You don't want to completely lose that, right? Because that get, like, even if it's nervous energy, even if it gets you anxious, it's got, it's making you want to do something. It's jolting you. Uh, there's something that I always talk about with my clients is uh, when you come across an obstacle or what seems like an obstacle, you can take a bird's eye view or a worm's eye view, right? And if you take a worm's eye view, the thing looks massive, right? But if you take a bird's eye view and you say, oh, this test or this little thing that I have to do today, it becomes little, really, and it becomes an opportunity, right? Kind of like the Ryan Holiday obstacle is the way. An obstacle becomes an opportunity when you take that bird's eye view and you say, in reality, there's such a long journey and this is just one of the things. And something that you said, it was a little, little short sentence that I picked up on it i'm gonna put in the work right that's omnipotent among all peak performers win lose or draw they go back to the work because that's no that's what they can control what's next that neutral thinking rather than what if or if only in the future or 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 regretting something in the past they take care of right now that kind of neutral mentality so there's two parts to this title of this podcast right grateful and full greatness uh and that's where i'd like to finish so when you look back Mm -hmm. and you embrace right now uh who and what are you most thankful for 
I'd probably just say my parents. I mean, I know I mentioned them early on, but um, they've they've just been like like my my foundation. You know, I I don't know where I'd be without um kind of everything that they've taught me, everything that they will continue to teach me. Um, to this to this day, really. Um, I can't I can't thank them enough. I mean, I I, I know we talked about it earlier, but them just instilling the whole education part of growing up into myself and to my brothers as well um them just with their continued support even like now like you know i'm sure it's true for everybody like you know my mom's like my biggest fan of all time and she's always she's always trying to dig me up telling me like you know you could do this whether it's um whether it's like you know i'm about to go to an interview for med school or i'm about to go play a game like she'll just send me a text like you like you got it you're gonna do great and then my dad you know he's He's not always trying to big you up, but he's like, you know, he's always there for you as long. It's probably just coming from like a more like a real, like a realism point of view. Like he's not going to say, like, oh, you're just the best, but he's going to be like, all right, like, yeah. if you if you do what you're supposed to do, like you'll be good. And so um, I, I just appreciate them so much. And um, they, they're 100% responsible for who I am today. Yeah. So they're such great people and their energy is contagious. I miss them just talking about them. Um, and, and uh, like you're on this podcast for a reason, man, you've been pursuing it ever since I, I, I knew you as a freshman at, at Yale. Uh, now you're doing such great things, you know, at every level. And, and it's all about the pursuit to you, which I love. That's why you're on this podcast is because you're just looking for the next thing to go hunt down, right? Uh, eyes in the front, like the hunt. And, and what makes a lion, the king of the jungle is the fact that there's nothing that won't hunt hunt it's not the biggest it's not the fastest it's not the strongest uh but there's nothing it won't hunt so um you're well on your way to achieving great things and then getting the raising the bar even higher uh, but when you look around and, and you see others around you like you talked about your relationships early on they were they were chasing the same things that you were and now at this level as a pro athlete and, and uh, a harvard medical student um what is, what does greatness look like to you how would you define greatness because uh, I, I don't know like that I've ever truly like felt like I've done anything great or like so I really don't know necessarily what it looks like I think the easiest way I could put it is like you're always striving to do more like I remember when we won like if you go back to 2018 and um when we won the national championship I remember winning it and like not really knowing like how to react. Like I know like I did like an interview, but like it was like how do you feel? And I had to like make up something because I really didn't know like what I was feeling. So like I, I remember you know you watch people win championships and you kind of just try to say the same BS that everybody said. Not BS. I'm sure some people probably feel that way. So I kind of just tried to copy um, what people said. But I think for me it was kind of weird just because it was like the end of everything and like after winning like you go and party the night that same night the next day and then you're just like all right like what now you know like you don't really don't know what else to do it's like we won and like that was really cool we put in a tremendous amount of work to do it but not that it's like not satisfying but um you really just i think fell in love with the process and like trying to keep like trying i think like for me it's like trying to get to a goal and like it's more fulfilling than actually getting to it in, in a way yeah. so um like just like go back to your question it's like i don't really know what 
what would be defined is for me is greatness if it's like trying to get to a certain goal just because I feel like not not to sound cheesy like I'm never satisfied because that's like sounds super corny but um I feel like there's always something else to do so mm. like even like just getting to Harvard Medical School like yeah that was cool for like it was cool for a week you know and then it's like all right like now I gotta go do it and I'm sure it'll be the same once like I match a residency I'll be like okay that was cool but like that just like the process of getting there is kind of like what I I don't even know if I enjoy it. It's just like what it, it gives me fulfillment. So that's like the best way I can answer that question. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it is what it takes, right? So I, I was one of my favorite guys in, in the field of psychology is Jordan B. Peterson. He wrote a book called 12 Rules for Life, but he has this short little video uh, on social media, Instagram. Uh, and he says, human beings are activated by having an aim rather than attainment. Right. Because once you attain something, then the whole game ends. Right. And I think that's so true. So where I would love to wrap this up is saying, like, you're off to Harvard Medical School. I'm excited to, to maybe have you on four or five years after it's all over. Right. And, and do this again and, and say, what have you learned? Right. But I think it's, it's important to embrace that ride. Right. Because not wanting to come to an end. I think you're, we're always growing and becoming. Right. And that, that's what's most important. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on here. But it's, uh, it's been awesome uh, to be so close to you. Uh, to become such a great friend, compete at a high level, but also just know that I can turn towards you for, for great energy. And uh, I, I really cherish our relationship. So appreciate you. Appreciate you having me on, man. And uh, everything you said and I, goes right back to you and reciprocate the same type of energy. You obviously, you know, the, the impact that you've had on my life just um, at Yale and just the, the confidence that you instilled in me during um, our time there. I remember, I still remember the, uh, after we lost, you know, after our sophomore year, I still remember that conversation that we had. I don't know if it was here, you know, share what we said, but um, that's still something that I know for a fact you saying it to me during that time, I was able to manifest it. And because, pretty much because you told me I could, I could do um, what you said. So, like, all the, appreciate, all the appreciation in the world for you. Um, thanks for having me on, man.